Welcome to Jesuit Balcony Conversations. It's truly a pleasure to be here sitting next to you, Patrick, and to have time for this conversation together. And also, it's just wonderful for everyone listening that they have taken their own time and to be here with us and our own experiences and what we're sharing. You know, we talked a lot about time with Eric Travis last week and about how we use our time. And it's just really special, anyone who's listening today and just being here with you. I greatly appreciate it. And so, you know, I just want to take a moment to recognize that this is our fifth... Five golden episodes. Uh, Patrick, it's not time for Christmas music yet. I, I, I know, I know, but mm. something just swirls around me when I see the snow, and I saw snow last week, Billy. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Christmas. So, where are we? <laughs> that is a great question. Uh... Yeah, you know, getting more seriously, getting back to what we were talking about. I just want to thank you, Patrick, for being in the snow, and more importantly, the show. Yeah, it feels like we're in the snow with everything. We're everywhere, really. We're everywhere right now. And so, you know, just I want to take a second to recognize what we've done. And any current or former Jesuit volunteer understands how busy you are being a Jesuit volunteer between your work commute commitments. I mean, sometimes you commute, I have a long commute, but between your work commitments and between your community commitments and just all these other commitments that kind of surface throughout your year. And, you know, this is another commitment, spending the time to prepare for this and to record together and that we've made to each other and really the listener and sharing with them. Mm -hmm. Totally. I mean, just one quick thing to add, you know, we are recording in a space in our house right now that is... uh a little bit noisy and a little bit uh, just I think we're really traffic, bringing the listeners so in to the JVC experience we're making, we're right now. We're getting you really involved and intimate with what goes on. And You know, so we're in the basement and it's a creaky house. It's a creaky house. It's a creaky house. But I appreciate that. You know, it is a lot for JVs just to take this time out of their day. And But it's, I don't know, I think with anything in life and if you're passionate about what you do and you love the work that you do and mm. like i said like you know i am busy with work and personal things and but everything that i try to do and everything all this is you know i just i love i love all of this and it is busy but if you have a mission and if you have like a faith in it yeah it makes everything uh you can work with that. Yeah. Push through. So. Yeah. And, you know, I think it was the very first episode you said something to the effect that, you know, you didn't really expect to be doing a podcast in the JVC and when you moved to Detroit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I didn't, I mean, I didn't come in with that plan of uh, having a podcast either. But, you know, a lot of what we talk about is don't come in with expectations. Just go where you're, you're leaded, where, you're, where you feel like you're being called. And that's like what you just touched on. And so I really appreciate this uh, podcast that we have and a lot of the fruitful conversations that we've had with a couple of our housemates now and just, uh, you know, not only on the podcast, but it's led to some other conversations apart from it. So later in this episode, we'll be having one of our housemates, Will Beatriz, on the show. And we'll be asking him about JVC and life in general. And uh, we'll really dive into some great, we'll dive into some great topics with him. So... Patrick, before all that, you know, finding God in all things. Patrick, I want to ask you, have you thought about God much lately? I have, yeah. Um, you know, it's. I also want to bring up to, like, for listeners, you know, God isn't always 
and I'll bring this up later in the episode, but God isn't always found very easily. And I don't want to get the listeners the idea that we find God very easily every day. You know, we are in JVC and we're doing this intentional living, intentional time. However, it doesn't mean that every day we experience something that is surreal, experience like God in a profound way. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, um, you know, it does take time. And sometimes you may not see God right away. You know, it could take you couple days or however long it takes but yeah. just want to get that message across but this past week on uh, tuesday i participated in an activity sponsored by 482 forward 482 forward is a citywide education organizing network in detroit and the event was called lobby day so as the name suggests we spent the day in the state capital of lansing lobbying michigan state representatives on increasing school funding so according to The School Finance Research Collaborative's 2018 report, Michigan ranks last in school funding. Wow. So um, the numbers are all up on um, the Michigan Justice, uh, pardon me, Michigan Education Justice Coalition Initiative, hashtag babies over billions. Um, All the info is there, but we need about $3.7 billion to be fully funded. So it's a huge, huge issue and something personally that I tied with in having parents that are educators and coming just from family that has been involved with um, education and teachers, um, fair wages and all those sorts of things. So I was very much drawn to this issue and drawn to what these kids were doing. So I found God in a couple of ways, in a couple of moments that day. So. Of all the 12-ish representatives we talked to, I really enjoyed speaking with Democratic Representative Julie Brixie and Republican Representative Scott Van Singel. So despite their, like, you know, different parties and different Mm -hmm. political views, I was surprised that they both agreed with working on the proposed tax and funding initiatives that we proposed in in the hashtag babies over billions. Another moment where I found God was talking with superintendent of Detroit Public Schools uh, and of, pardon me, Michigan Public Schools, Michael Rice. So we had lunch with Michael Rice, all the students and all of us gathered at this beautiful place in the Capitol building. Mm. And he talked a lot about his policy goals and his uh, priorities when it comes to public schools and education. And a big takeaway is that he really urged us to keep being loud and keep moving forward with pushing our fundraising goal. He mentioned that now, like, is the time. Uh, You know, there isn't really a big downfall he sees, and he just was really supportive of what we were doing. And finally, I found God with being with the students and families. So many parents came out, and that's what I was surprised with. You know, they brought their babies and Mm. brought their cousins and aunts, and it was just really moving to see everybody come in. It's not just a student-teacher issue. It concerns families. It concerns the well-being of so many people. And some uh, of the students and families shared personal stories of their experience in public schools in Detroit as well as outside. And some even got to ask questions to the superintendent, which are really great discussions. So... Those were a couple of areas that I saw. God yeah, when there. I'm listening to this, Patrick, I'm really hearing that you find God in making these human connections. And, you know, you were there to talk to some of our elected officials and like you really found that they kind of 
you know, they wanted to work with you. And then, but not only that, but talking about, you know, the families that were there and just those connections that you made. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. It was really just, and I, you've been so active, like lobbying and protesting, not lobbying, but I mean, like, you know, being at the front lines and like talking with people. And I guess essentially that might be lobbying, but, you know, just Mm -hmm. protesting and being at the front lines. And that's something I wasn't really, I don't have much experience um, so it was just really great, especially going to the Capitol, going to Lansing and, you know, seeing all the representatives and seeing, you know, the Capitol building in and of itself was pretty surreal and something that was really moving to kind of put your, um, policy and just organ political action. So, yeah. yeah, that's great to hear that you kind of find like joy, you find God in doing that work and like great to hear about your lobbying. And I want to bring up that, uh, Something I've kind of come across in preparing, you know, this coming week, this coming weekend, I'm going to be going to D.C. for the Ignatian Family Teach-In for Justice with a group of students from Detroit Mercy. And just like a lot of feelings of excitement around attending this conference and just like really getting to dive into social justice issues and hearing from just a lot of experts on these different issues. But, you know, a part of what I want to highlight of what we're going is on Monday, November 18th, we're going to be participating in Advocacy Day. So we're going to meet with an elected official and we're going to talk about some issues uh, which IFTJ, Ignatian Family Teaching, has provided for us as a priority. And this year those priorities are migration and environmental issues. Mm -hmm. And so uh, this conference is really about social justice, a very Ignatius lens looking at it. And, you know, kind of considering where does advocacy, how does that fall into all that? And something I've learned is that, you know, doing advocacy, talking to our officials is something that's like very Ignatian, very Catholic, right? And for me, it gets to this idea of having a faith that does justice. And I've just been thinking, like, how can we engage with our world around us in a meaningful way that brings about justice? And some of that means talking to our elected officials and and like you brought up that I've been at these protests. And some of that means being at these protests where we're kind of standing we're standing for things, we're standing against things. And uh, yeah, and so a big part of this is talking to those in government, whether that's local or state or what it is. And for me, it's especially when there's laws or like lack thereof that kind of go against what we believe to be true in our core, like moral beliefs and as Catholics. And yeah, so uh, I also think that like, just if you don't say that you're against what the government says, then it's kind of like in a way you're kind of complicit with what happens. And so that's really why lobbying, that's really why I found protesting to just be a really important part of my faith and a part of like how I've grown uh, this year through the JVC. And yeah, so I'm just thinking like, you know, almost a week from today, I'm going to be meeting with an elected official on Capitol Hill, someone from uh, Michigan with a bunch of students. Yeah, someone from Michigan. Okay. And uh, I just want to ask Patrick, like just talking really about just kind of honing in on that experience when you were meeting with the elected officials. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, can, if you can share a little bit more about that, if you can share any insight or what kind, how did you feel through all that? Yeah, I have like two tips. So like one is when you go into whoever it is that you're meeting, um, make sure you have two kind of schedules laid out. One is that if you actually get to see the representative, if you know that they are for sure coming, which um, some of the representatives, they weren't there because they're pulled into so many other meetings and just mm-hmm. so much other 
things that are going on in their district or whatnot. So make sure you always kind of have a backup plan to, you know, make sure you talk to their legal aid or talk to, you know, a secretary or whatever who's the next in line um, that you can quickly um, get their input on. So just kind of create kind of a script and make sure you are sustained to know what you're talking about mm-hmm. um, is always good. I mean, that's good for everything in life, but uh, <laughs> so just making sure you have two a backup plan for if they're not there. That's good. Yeah. Um, so when you meet the person, make sure, I mean, for us, we met with, we divided into like seven groups and we got sure. to each of us met with like five or six representatives. We got to meet with much more for some reason, but um when you go door to door, you want to make sure you, I mean, you only have so much time mm-hmm. and make sure you, when you meet with the person, you are really true to the time limit. You want to make sure that they are succinct with their responses just because like when you go around door to door, you want to make sure you get to as many people as you can. You get to really push your message within that time and make it count. So those are the two things I would recommend. Again, I'm new to this, so yeah. like you'll probably no. It's good to hear your reflections much. on that, and just from doing that day. And I think a big part of what we're going to be doing is, you know, there's three of us that are working at Detroit Mercy that are going on the trip, but there's a whole big group of students that are going, mm-hmm. and we're really going to be laying out kind of a script and you know finding roles where the students are going to be able to be doing the advocating. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that I'll be doing much talking as as in much as kind of just prepping and helping in that role. Yeah. But still very much looking forward to being on Capitol Hill. I've never been to DC. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's uh I've been one time. Uh yeah, just did all the touristy things, the yeah. Lincoln Memorial, Capitol Building. Um it's it's a beautiful place. Uh I mean we had um, you know, two Georgetown graduates here. We do. So they two Georgetown probably, graduates. They can probably yeah. Well, Ava, she was on the show. Ava was on, on the, the show. Ava. And then uh another housemate, so talk to them as well about yeah. know, where to go in dc you're so. right I will. well we'll have to recap uh the next time we record after i come back from this and <laughs> debrief on that So, Patrick, uh, by now, you know, the listeners and I, everybody knows that you're from Seattle. And I'm just wondering, you know, our next guest, Will Beatriz, he's not from Seattle. Could you tell us, where is he from? Will is not from Seattle. Hailing from Cleveland, Ohio. Big Browns fan, Indians fan. Will Beatrice is a recent graduate of Fordham, the Jesuit University of New York. At Fordham, Will studied chemistry and played for the squash team. Will is a Jesuit volunteer this year with us in Detroit, and he is working at Detroit Crystal Ray High School as a teacher, college counselor, and coach. Will, welcome on to JPC. Thanks, Pat. I'm really excited to be here. We're really excited to have you on the podcast, Will, and to just share this conversation with you. And so just in listening, just in listening to Patrick introduce you, you know, I know you pretty well, Will, but just hearing your roles, teacher, college counselor, and coach at Crystal Ray High School, I just want to ask you a little bit, like, how has Crystal Ray been, and how has working there been for you? It's been pretty difficult. Um, in college, I did not receive any formal training in education. I don't have a teaching degree, um, although I do have experience as a TA and a tutor and mentor in college. But at Crystal Ray, I'm in charge of my own classroom. 
This means I'm constantly having to think about developing student-teacher relationships on an individual level and on a classroom level over, and over the course of an entire year. I'm teaching two sections of college readiness for 11th grade students and next semester I'll also be teaching health classes. The great thing about this job is that Crystal Ray has given me such a great opportunity to start learning what it's like to be a teacher, everything from classroom management to lesson planning. So uh, college readiness, I had never had a class called college readiness in high school, have you Patrick? No, no, I have not. Could you tell us a little bit more, what does that mean, what does college readiness entail? Well, part of the Crystal Ray mission is to encourage all these students to at least apply to college and um, for those who want to go to college, help them graduate as well. And um, to tell you a little bit more about Crystal Ray, mm -hmm. uh, Detroit Crystal Ray High School is part of a 37-strong network of schools across the country that follow a kind of innovative model of education. Uh, they only serve students from low-income families and they fund a high-quality college prep Catholic education through a mandatory work-study program. Um, all students at this high school go to class three to four days per week, and they go to work one to two days per week. And mm -hmm. um, it prepares kids for the real world, not only in the classroom, but also by putting four years of internships on their resumes. Um, and college readiness fits into this by having a dedicated time each day to help these kids understand the college process a little bit more, feel more comfortable with it, and eventually put together a really good application. Mm. That's so valuable. Like that's something even I looking back in high school would love that kind of opportunity and those networks. And um, there's a lot more questions and a lot that I have for learning about Crystal Ray, but just hearing and working with some students over at UNI who have come and partnered with Crystal Ray. It's just a great opportunity to kind of pick their brains and learn more about, you know, how are they applying, especially if they're a Jesuit school, applying their Jesuit values into practice at their workplace and <clears throat> supplement that with school. So I'm really uh, impressed by this model that mm -hmm. they have. Um, so what I want to get at with you is uh, what are the ways have you, that you have engaged with the city so far? Um, first and foremost, I have to acknowledge an important aspect of the JVC experience, and that's the fact that I'm only here for one year. I may not be back in Detroit for a while after this, um, since I'm in the process of applying to graduate schools, and in my mind this kind of creates somewhat of a dilemma, because I feel like a guest in the home of Southwest Detroit, um, but nevertheless, it feels like the neighborhood, the neighborhood has really welcomed us here. I feel like I've gotten to know so many of the students and teachers already, and I've been able to meet their families too at parent-teacher conferences. Um, just being able to walk to and from work um, each day, because since we only live a few blocks away from the high school, has been so cool. Um, because I, I'm literally walking in the same footsteps as a lot of the, the, my students mm -hmm. who walk to school every day and walk back. Mm -hmm. and, um, I'm, and also just the other day, I literally met the mother of one of my students at the convenience store um, right across oh, the street. Wow. Uh -huh which is really cool. So it feels like such a privilege to be here for such a short period of time and still just be welcomed into the community. Yeah, I do have to say, Will, that personally I'm a little bit jealous of your uh, two-minute walk to work. That's pretty nice. Yeah, it's real tough. Yeah. Real tough. <laughs> sure it is. <laughs> but I also want to share that what you talked about, about, you know, being a guest in Detroit and, you know, we're just, we're just here for a year. And what are kind of, you know, you said it's a dilemma. And, you know, maybe you're not looking to stay in the city after this because you're looking to go on to grad school. And that's something that resonates with me is how can we be fully present to this community, 
but also uh, realizing that you know we're not going we may not be members of this community past this year and I think that that's something that resonates with uh, Jesuit volunteers across the country right people are moving to different cities and maybe they're just staying in that city for a year so how do you really become a part of a community just for one year without without knowing what's going to be next so it's a great point Billy and um, one way I've sort of thought about this is um, sort of allowing yourself to fall in love um, mm. everywhere you go. I've heard from past JVs and a specific JV who was here um, a couple years ago who I was talking to, he said he fell in love with the city of Detroit around May, June, <laughs> most of the way through his JV year. And he was really sad to leave to go to grad school. And immediately when he got his next degree, he moved back to Detroit. And oh, we wow. see him all the time. I see him biking around. And, you know, not everyone's going to fall in love with every sit new city they move to, but allowing yourself the, you know, the opportunity to do so is important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think just to, one more thing just to add on is uh, with Detroit, especially their, Detroit was the main hub and main headquarters for their Midwest region. So they've had a long history in the city. For the JVC. For the JVC. And so I think that's a huge like draw and huge pull like you know after this year there's a lot of like connections that we've made and a lot of just people and uh roots in the city that jvc has and the jvc is before us as we've seen in our house uh with the past photos um have made and so like it's easy to kind of transition it might be an easier transition to come um live in detroit for however long but yeah so yeah uh, moving forward, JBC, See, moving, moving forward, forward. <laughs> uh, moving on to a different uh, subject of conversation. I just want to, you know, there's four pillars of the JVC, and we kind of center this podcast, JBC, around those four pillars. And I just want to dive into one of those pillars here with you, Will, just to get some more conversation. So uh, the, the pillar of spirituality, just for our listeners to know, I want to mention out of, you know, the seven people in this household Will is the only person in this house who is not a Catholic. And so, Will, I just want to ask, how do you engage with the pillar of spirituality uh, within the JVC, and how has that been for you thus far this year, living with all of us? Sure. Thanks, Billy. It's really interesting, actually. I've gotten this question at least once a week since deciding to do JVC. <laughs> uh, to be clear, JVC does not require its members to be Catholic or even Christian. Uh, what JVC does require is an open and honest engagement with spirituality over the course of a calendar year. So there's no religious test or anything like that if uh, you have to take to become a Jesuit volunteer. As for my own spirituality, it's kind of a complicated story. A lot of millennials today will talk about how they are spiritual but not necessarily religious. When they say this, they usually mean they believe in some kind of higher power but don't feel like they can connect to God through organized religion. I feel somewhat the opposite. I like to say I am religious, but not necessarily spiritual, if that makes any sense. I'm at a point in my life where I'm kind of open to the idea of a worldview that either includes or excludes a divine figure, but I'm not entirely sure yet, or at least I don't think I am. Um, but one thing that I do know is that I find a lot of value in the structural aspects of organized religion, especially attending mass, certain types of prayer, and in general, keeping an open, continuing dialogue about the most important issues dealing with life, death, love, and social justice. Mm. 
JVC specifically appealed to me because I'm familiar with the tradition of Ignatian spirituality from my years at Fordham. The Ignatian tradition encourages one to look carefully and deeply into oneself, and regardless of my thoughts about the answers to certain theological questions, I've learned a whole lot about myself by following this approach in my thought processes and in my meditations. Thank you, Will, for those reflections. And, you know, you've told that, you've said that to me and some others before that, you know, you consider yourself religious but not spiritual. And what I find to be really striking about that is what I think a lot of people lose when they say that they're spiritual but not religious is just the community aspect. And people just focus on their relationship with God and their relationship with this higher being, however they name it, and they don't focus on the community and the love for one another. And just hearing you talk about how, you know, gathering that community and just those other things that are really important to you, I just find that, uh, I just think it's really great. And uh, I just think it's really great that the uh, religious aspect, the community aspect is something that's core, that's important to you. So. And another point I like to add is that uh, faith in God is a gift for all believers, and it's not necessarily a gift you can always take for granted. Um, a lot of people, a lot of people who've been Christian their whole lives, go through long periods of doubt. And I think one really important thing to keep you grounded is to have that organization, to have that structure and that community to be a part of. Um, so that, that's one thing I would uh, like to add to the subject as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I think just hearing you when you talk about like, gosh, like how do you want to live out this year in Detroit? And the first thing you said was, you know, you approach this year with love and you approach this year with kind of loving this uh, position you're in and also the community that you're serving. And I think that's goes hand in hand with faith. And I think with um, it's just such a bedrock for people regardless of who they believe or what they don't like if you um and i just see that with what you do um with your studying and with what you are preparing to do in the next phase after the jvc so um this bleeds into my next question um so another pillar of the jvc is social justice um so is there any particular social justice issue that you are particularly drawn to and engage with? Uh, yes. Um, environmental justice is something that has been increasingly weighing on my mind over the past several years. Uh, globally, we as humanity have so much work to do on so many fronts. And myself as a chemist, I've largely been paying attention to scientific advancements and how we can keep moving forward on this front, especially in the areas of um, studies such as energy conversion, solar cells, fuel cells, waste management, and recycling technologies. And I've always been interested in chemistry since I was in elementary school, but in the past couple of years, I've realized that I can make a career in using this science to make a real difference. I see my future work in science as motivated by ideas of social justice, And that's a big part of why I wanted to do JVC for a year. I do believe that science will advance fast enough for us to avoid a doomsday-like catastrophe, Um, but I don't have faith that we will accomplish this until the rich and wealthy sectors of society start to be affected. Mm. Environmental stewardship becomes an issue of social justice when the poor and marginalized communities are adversely affected while the rich and wealthy stand idly by. And right here in Detroit, Uh, 
For example, water bills are several times higher than you'd expect in a major city, despite the fact that the world's largest body of fresh water is right here. Mm. Access to drinking water is something that most Americans take for granted. However, studies are projecting widespread water shortages all across the country within this century. Again, I believe this is an issue we as humans will persevere through, um, but I fear that we won't find proper measures for a solution before our brothers and sisters in marginalized communities are acutely affected by it, and it, it would be a terrible social sin for something like this to happen. Thank you so much, Will, for uh, sharing that. I, there's a lot to unpack and a lot that I, is worthy of much more discussion, but one thing that sticks out to mind is uh, how you notice the inequity that lies in science. You know, you say you're motivated by social justice and how you want to continue on with your career as a chemist, career as a scientist. And I think when we look about what are the global issues that are happening, um, you know, we need to address what are the social structures that are in place that are, you know, giving people with the most money or giving, how is it that people who are have a lot more wealth or resources, how are they taking advantage of our environment and are they taking advantage of the problems that are today and how does that underlie science? So I really admire that commitment that you that you make to yourself. So. And building on that too, thank you, Will, and thank you, Patrick, for those reflections. And something you shared was you didn't think that real change is going to happen until it affects those most wealthy. Can you share a little bit more about what makes you think that? Yeah, sure. Um, well, something I didn't realize fully until the past couple of years or have, haven't started to realize more fully until the past couple of years is how political science is. Mm. Um, usually you think of science and academic research as disinterested, unbiased, you're searching for something. Um, but all research costs money and that money needs to be funded. Um, sure. So it, it comes down to who has the power in our society, who's making those decisions of what projects to fund and, um, and what kinds of projects are going to receive the most funding in the United States. So one, one part of my decision in going to gra graduate school next year will have to be uh, which school will provide the most funding opportunities for me, um, which groups to work with will provide the most opportunities to succeed for me, because I have to, obviously, as I go on in my career, I have to consider myself. And so it's money and politics is a huge motivating factor in all this happening. Yeah, that's really great to hear. But it's also really great to hear that you are concerned about these issues and you're concerned about social justice. And, you know, I'm sure that that will play. You said that that will play a role in your future. And I'm sure that will play a role in where you end up in grad school and what research you're going to do. And so that's really like that's good for me to hear that there's good people like you out there in the world in the science field that are doing things like this. So. Yeah, I don't know who would uh, want to, you know, not take you up. I would. You're a hot. You're a hot <laughs> ticket. It seems yeah. like in the science science world. So. Yeah. So thank you, Will. Just thinking about all of the things you've shared. You know, just being a Jesuit volunteer. Is there anything else you kind of want to add? Anything you want to say about being a Jesuit volunteer and that experience? Well, Billy, um, I would have to say it has been quite a pleasure already. We just hit the three-month mark in our um, Jesuit volunteer year. We sure have. And it has been quite a pleasure living with 
you, Billy, and you, Pat, and the rest of our roommates. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really incredible the, um, the the kind of dynamic we have in our house. It, it feels more like a family. Mm-hmm. It feels like a family of friends who are a family. <laughs> and um, but we fight sometimes. We have disagreements about, you know, when to wash dishes, when to... Um, when to do our laundry, when to do the cleaning, etc. When to record the podcast. When to record the podcast. <laughs> where to record the podcast. <laughs> when to play basketball. Exactly. If to play, no. if to play. <laughs> Go Bucks. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but then at the end of the day, we really, we really get to know each other on a deep level. And, um, and to me, there's nothing, there's nothing greater than that. There's no greater feeling than that. Yeah. Thank you, Will. Yeah, thank you, Will. I want to close like we have for our past interviews with um, a beautiful, beautiful quote and passage that Billy introduced. Um, So, Will, we have one final question. And this question comes out of a quote from Thomas Merton. And the quote reads, If you want to identify me, ask me not where I live or what I like to eat or how I comb my hair. But ask me what I am living for in detail. Ask me what I think is keeping me from living fully for the thing I want to live for. So, Will, what are you living for? I live for the moment, right here, right now. The underpinning of my entire worldview, I believe, is my perception. And I define perception as my interactions with the world around me, in philosophy, this is called the inactivist view of perception. For me, the meaning of life is as simple and as complicated as um, all the properties and experiences that come with being human in the here and now. And the really special moments in life involve shared experiences too, uh, moments when my perception connects with someone else's, and you know we can share something together. So I would say I live I live for the moment. Thank you so much, Will. Um, gosh, you just, you're always so profound in just how you think and how you go about yourself. You are very much, I think, a Jesuit that is not a Jesuit, uh, <laughs> um, which is great. And you just, it's just been a real pleasure living with you and being, uh, you know, a friend. So, yeah. Thanks, Pat. I really appreciate that. And to be clear one more time, um, I'm not a Jesuit. I'm a Jesuit volunteer. Um, a lot of my kids at school, a lot of my students will ask me if I'm a Jesuit, if I'm a priest, and I have to very much explain, no, I'm just a volunteer. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Will. It's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thanks so much, Billy. enjoy having our housemates come on and sharing you know what's going on with their lives what their passions are what their interests Ava was amazing having her on and sharing about her life at Jezu and life in the house Will coming on was just so great him talking about he has a real passion for Cristo Ray and what mm-hmm. he does there and then also just his passion for science and being so concerned with the social justice aspect of that, learning about the systems that are at the play of how, like, science is, 
you know, funded for like projects and stuff and then those sorts of things. So Billy, I don't know what. Yeah, I really appreciate what you're saying. I think when we have our housemates on, we can dive into conversation in a way that we don't at the dinner table or in everyday life. And I also really appreciate uh, with Will talking about his like, you know, he wants to engage in social justice and what he's going to be doing as a chemist. And something I think about is for everybody, whatever field they go into, how can they uh, how can they have this preferential option for the poor? How can they care for the poor? in thinking about these social justice issues in any field. And I think it's applicable, and I think Will really eloquently stated that. He did. This bleeds, so Will talked about a lot, and you know, he got me thinking about you know, what are some of the values and things that happened this week for us or happened before, so. Are you suggesting something, Patrick? I'm Are you saying to, we should I'm, do the four I'm values in, in four, four minutes? minutes? All right, well, why don't you begin? <laughs> yeah, um, so for me, this week, and really this past two, three, I don't know, since the last time we recorded, uh, spirituality has been big, big for myself. And I want to highlight, um, so part of the JVC is we do spirituality and community nights. Mm-hmm. In this past spirituality night, we had one of our housemates lead a really beautiful discussion um, and part of her leadership of this night was she read a passage from a book titled Letters to a Young Catholic by George Weigel. I apologize to George if I pronounce the last name wrong. <laughs> I'll just say George for now. Uh, but the passage that our housemate read uh, challenged the notion of people discovering their faith. Uh, George adds that faith seizes us as opposed to us kind of finding it. Mm -hmm. So I really just grappled with that. Um, And part of the passage is that he used the analogy of Peter walking on water. Mm -hmm. And when Peter looks towards Jesus, he can do miraculous things. He's overwhelmed when he sees him and he can walk on water. It's miraculous. But when he looks away, when he looks back at the boat or when he looks at the sides he falls into the water so i think um there's a lot to it was kind of that idea about. through that about just right. like staying focused and yeah. about not worrying not looking to the side you know yeah. kind of staying focused on your search your search for god whatever that be right. i didn't mean to interrupt but that's how i felt throughout no. that conversation and i think for me i just it's like i admire that ceasing me it's like i've noticed so much like at work and like as um just you know I, I got sick this past week and like mm-hmm. you know just being having that time I was like oh I can't really get caught up in my work and so like now I have to kind of wrestle and do a lot of piggyback work and it's like oh it just got me out of my groove and so it's like that and I think coming into this year also like you want it I wanted to do so much and I'm like okay this year I'm gonna like finally do everything that I wanted to do and I'll be set after this year mm. and like I think that's kind of been a theme and something that I came in with and like <coughs> having that passage read to me it's like no you know in times where I'm looking for answers and times where I'm looking like what am I gonna do next after this year what am I gonna do next next week what am I gonna do after I get healthy to like, get back into this week it's like making sure that you know you look to God in those times of vulnerability and in times of just um, shock and so I just that reminded me to um, you know not look for something or a quick fix yeah but to look to God and that's he will 
she will help you. And I think too, something you've touched on on what you've been sharing is just like this idea of being comfortable with not knowing. And it's okay that we don't know. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do next year. I don't know. Maybe I don't know what I'm going to do for the rest of the day. And just like being able to sit with that. And, uh, you know, I think that that's really powerful. And so, yeah, that kind of leads into a little bit of what I want to say. Actually, I just have kind of two things to share. One of them's on a little bit more of a personal note, and I'm, I'll start with this. I don't really know which value, but I know that it needed to come up now. And I just, maybe you can help me pin down a value, Patrick. So <clears throat> I've just been, I've been reflecting on the interview that we had with Eric Travis and just about his whole idea of how you use white space in these, these times in your day when uh, you're not, it's just these times in your day, they're white space. And just being intentional about how you use them. And, you know, I kind of had this moment. Uh, I was just in the car and I was going to put on some music. Like, I've got some great playlists. But then I was like, wait a second. Like, you know, I've heard all this music before. Why don't I try to listen to some? So I put on a podcast and I listened to an episode. It was a really great podcast and it was really, uh, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. And so just. I've noticed in myself that I've become more aware of where I have my white spaces and I've been trying to use them in more uh, effective ways. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's really awesome to hear. And I'm trying to like pinpoint a value, but maybe that's not where I should be going. I think uh, for myself, like I've been listening back over his audiobook and just Mm -hmm. trying to, yeah, like when I'm picking our housemates up or whenever I'm like biking to work, like I, that's a lot of my white space and like, um, I'm still trying to find like, you know, that, that pocket of time. Um, I mean, so much of like my work is like, I kind of shift along and like I move around. So like, I don't know kind of where the white space is at times, but that's really awesome that you're noticing that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, it's been very helpful. And then secondly, I just want to share, you know, you talked about spirituality too, and I want to share about how I've experienced spirituality. And so at work with some of my coworkers, we're doing we're doing a like a book reading together on uh, an apostolic exhortation that Pope Francis wrote called a call to holiness, and so I've really been sitting with so much of what he writes, and it's just very accessible. It's very prayerful. It's not something that's meant just for uh, people of the faith to read. It's I mean not just something meant for like higher ups in the faith. Mm-hmm. It's something that we can all read and we can all resonate with. And something that really challenged me this week is kind of this idea of uh, spiritual indifference. So what he does in this chapter that I'm reading through is he goes through the different uh, Beatitudes from the Sermon on the Mount, and he kind of reflects on each of those. And so this particular Beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He talks about being spiritually poor within ourselves, spiritual poverty. And I just want to read this excerpt, and I just want to uh, tell you a little bit about how that's been in my life. So this is from uh, The Call to Holiness. This spiritual poverty is closely linked to what St. Ignatius of Loyola calls holy indifference, which brings us to a radiant interior freedom. We need to train ourselves to be indifferent in our attitude to all created things and all that is permitted to our free will and not forbidden, so that on our part we do not set our hearts on good health rather than bad riches rather than poverty, honor rather than dishonor, a long life rather than a short one. And so in thinking that, that really challenged me because, you know, I do want to have good health and I do want to have a long life, but we shouldn't, 
we shouldn't we shouldn't cling we shouldn't wish for those things and uh, it's just really been something I've been sitting with and you mentioned that spirituality night we had and you know a challenge that was kind of posed to us is how can we empty ourselves fully how can we empty ourselves fully to others to our work in what we do and I've just been thinking about how uh, in emptying ourselves kind of not being worried about the results of our actions you know I think so much we get worried about you know I'm gonna do this so that this happens but no it's just just do that and you know whatever happens it's okay and it's an invitation from God and it's to grow and uh, I just wanted to share that because I've really been thinking about that and it's kind of hard for me to grapple with but it's also helpful this idea of spiritual indifference and you know not clinging to the results of what your uh, actions might cause. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's a life that's a, like I said this week, like after reading what our housemate uh, read, like that was just something that really I was reminded of. And um, definitely I think what this week for you is if I can pinpoint values, it's like I hear spirituality and I hear simple living. Mm. And I think with, you know, what you're doing with, finding your white spaces that you are decluttering I think that time like your mind can wander aimlessly and Mm -hmm. this you know you're wandering purposefully like no (laughs) pun intended but like um, I think that is really on point and then spirituality like um, this notion of just like making it's not always about kind of like looking out it's like oh I want to live a long life I like I want to retire by this or I want to get this job to go to this it's like you know how is this like nourishing of what's going on inside and how do you keep that level of kind of spiritual poverty Mm -hmm. um how do you let that grow and let that be the priority um for what you do and not seeking a result and seeking an outcome yeah i think that can be dangerous you know and just and when we are going through life and going through you know this year and you know making sure that we are seized this experience and that we um, you know just keep that close to our hearts yeah and I really like how you linked that with simple living I like how you think about simple living not only in our lives but in just kind of you you say quite frequently like the decluttering of the mind and how can you know not not only like our possessions but our mind how can that all play into simple living and I think like you did pinpoint that for me that uh, I hadn't thought about that before this moment but thinking about how how am I living simply through my thoughts and through my actions and through my possessions. I mean, it's all encompassing. So thinking about closing this episode, I do want to go back to the Sermon on the Mount, which is something that's really stuck with me this week. And I want to kind of pose it as like a challenge, a reflection for others to think about how are these words cutting true to you today? How can you live? How can you live out the gospel? How can you live out these words this week? And so in closing, Patrick, together we're going, to, we're going to read the Sermon on the Mount in closing for this episode. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. 
Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Thank you again for tuning in to Jesuit Balcony Conversations. We want to be clear that our opinions are our own and not affiliated with the views of the Jesuit Volunteer Corps. Follow us on Twitgram, Instabook, Facebook, and stay tuned for our next episode. We invite you to share this podcast with a friend or a dog or your mom or grandma or anyone who might be in need of a good conversation. Bye. Blessings. <laughs>